Well, if you have a Bible, I want to be in the book of Colossians today. That's where we're going to be, Colossians chapter 2. So we are in a series, finishing it up today, called Letters to the Church. This is your first week with us in this series. We're looking at these different letters that Paul wrote to different churches. And uh, if you're new to Scripture, you may not know how the whole Bible is put together. It wasn't like God's divine finger came down and just wrote a bunch of words down. Uh, it was written and inspired through through men, through godly men. And one of those was Paul. And Paul had started all these churches uh, all over the known world at that time. And and so he wrote different letters to these churches, and then it was all put together. And so most of the New Testament that we have, many books in here are actually letters that he wrote to churches. And this one is to the church that was in Colossae. And Colossae was a thriving community. Uh, they, they had a lot of great things going on for them. Paul, when he wrote this letter, he was in prison. And so if you're having a bad day, just remember somebody's having a little worse than you're having it. So he writes this letter in prison, and he writes it to this church. He did not start this church. This was a church actually he had never even been to, but Paul was so influential that he loved this church, and this was a strong church. It was actually founded by a guy named Ephorus, and it's mentioned there in the first part of the, of the letter. But this area was uh, a little bit messed up. Even though it was a thriving economy, things were going well. There was a lot of crazy things going on, a lot of crazy worship, a lot of idol worship, a lot of different gods. People had different cults that were going on. One of them was angel worship. Angel worship was really, really huge. And so uh, Paul here in Colossians chapter 2 writes to the church to encourage them and to strengthen them. And if you go to chapter 2, I'm going to be in verse 6. And if you don't have a Bible, by the way, I encourage you, download you version. Great app. Download that app. It's, it's great. I read out in the New Living Translation. And by the way, we're also, this week, we're going to be reading through the book of Colossians. So if you don't get our email updates, you may not know that, but you can sign up for those email updates and you'll get the, uh, the devotional. We're all reading through this book. We have free devotional uh, journals out in the lobby. So when you walk out right outside these doors here and to the left, you're going to see some free devotional journals. Those are for you. Just if you want one, take one. In there is a guide. Maybe you've never read scripture before. Maybe you've never had a time with God before. You're like, I don't even know how to do this thing. I'm just kind of winging it, kind of pretending, and I don't really know how to have a devotional. And when I try it, it's all jacked up. It's all messed up. That's okay. You're in good company. Come on, turn to somebody and say, my devotions are a little jacked up at times too. Come on, tell somebody next to you, encourage them. My devotions a little jacked up at times too. I know mine get a little messed up. But in there is a guide that will kind of help you on how to establish and how to have a devotional life. And it's based on the Lord's Prayer. And just take it it's free and hopefully it will help you a little bit. So here's Paul, uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. He says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith, it's going to grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you're going to overflow with thankfulness. He says this, don't let anyone, here he gets into this, this is where he's getting into the cults and the angel worship and all the pagan and idols and stuff. He says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. So there's some crazy things happening in our culture right now. There's some crazy teachings even in the church. There are people, one of the biggest phrases right now I hear is that people are deconstructing their their faith. And, and we're like, what's going on? It's just a crazy world out there. It has been a crazy world since Adam and Eve jacked up the world. It's been a crazy world. 
This is not a new problem. What we're experiencing, don't act like this is new and the world's never been like this. It has. And so what he's saying and he's saying to us is, hey, be careful who's teaching you. Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful what you're watching, what you're reading, because it will influence you. And he says, for in Christ, somebody say, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Father, thank you for the moments that we have just to open your blessed word and to, and to hear your truth. We ask that you would speak to us today. Our, our, our spirits are open to hear from your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. All right, so uh, it is football season. It is upon us. So let's just get this out of the way. Boomer. Orange. So what I love about that is all the Sooner fans are laughing at all the OSU fans, but all the OSU fans are laughing at the OU fans after the game yesterday. Because right now, I know what it is for OU fans. You're just like, uh, uh, Boomer? Even the OSU fans are a little bit like, we could use a little more power in the orange right now because it just was not looking good for anybody yesterday. I don't know if you're a football fan. Some of you, you're like, you didn't even know it was football season. Just right now in this moment, you went, oh, I had no idea because you don't care. And I love that. I love that. If you don't care, I think that's amazing. I don't know how you live in the state of Oklahoma and don't care, but (laughs) more power to you. Uh, and then some of you are like casual fans, uh, you know, I mean, you take it or leave it. You're like, oh, yeah, OSU, OU, I don't really care, and, you know, I'll, I'll catch a game. That's great. Some of you, though, are all in. You know what I mean? Like, you are all in on your team. Like, you are a rabid fan. Like, for me, it's not college, it's the NFL, and if you're new, I am an all-in Las Vegas Raider fan. Wow, that's not the reaction I was expecting. And I love it that they've moved to Las Vegas. You say, Thin City, how can you, how can you partner with darkness in Thin City? All I'm going to tell you is this. God says, take the light into the darkness. And I believe that is testimony that they are God's team, okay? <laughs> At least that's what I'm holding to. But I've been an all-in fan my entire life. When I say all-in, like if you were to go to my house and you were going to my record room, you would see that I have this beautiful shrine dedicated to the Raiders. Some people might call it an idol. I call it a shrine. And and on there, you you would see my pennant that I had since I was a little boy. You're going to see on there my helmet. I I got this helmet when I was eight years old, used to play in it, still have that helmet to this day. My grandpa was a huge Raider fan. I have his mug, his Raider mug. I've got the license plate from the front of his truck from the 1976 Super Bowl. And that that is right there. I mean, I I am an all-in fan. So a couple months ago... My oldest son, Stephen, he is in film, and he calls me. He said, hey, Dad, um, you're not going to believe where I'm going to film. I said, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to the Raiders Stadium, and I'm filming. And I'm like, oh, you are not. Do not tease me like that. Do not tell me that. He said, no, well, hold on, hold on, Dad. Hold, hang on, hang on. And I want to fly you out to hang out with me on the set 
but he said, I want you to work on my team. I said, oh, my goodness. So I got to be a PA, which uh, for those of you that aren't, aren't up on the film industry, that is production assistant. <laughs> for those of us that are on the know. And so I, I flew out, and, and it was legit. I had all access to the stadium. I could go anywhere I wanted to go in that stadium. They gave me this walkie-talkie. I look like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible right here with a little earpiece going up over my ear, hanging down. It was amazing. I was like, yeah, that's right. I got it. Uh-huh. That's right. I mean, I was just everywhere I could go. I went to the locker room. I went to the press box. I was hanging out in Mark Davis's suite, just walking wherever I wanted to go. I even went into the cheerleader's locker room. That sounds creepy, doesn't it? <laughs> like, how'd that work? Anybody in there? <laughs> Let me back that up a little bit, okay, so you don't think that was creepy. Uh, actually, they were filming in the locker room at that time, and so I got to go in the, in the locker room. And so, I mean, I'm going everywhere, all over this stadium. Nothing was off limits, and I was down. I was really looking forward to being down on the field, and and so we're down on the field, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm on holy ground. I mean, I'm like thinking Moses and Exodus and take my shoes off and all that kind of stuff, okay? And uh, you think I'm kidding, but I was, I'm an all-in fan. And so I, one of the people with the Raiders organization said, this isn't the real field. And I was like, wait, what? I'm like, no, the real field is out there. And I didn't know this. They, they, I guess in the NFL they have more money. They know what to do with, so they just come up with fun things to do with it. They have a field that's on hydraulics that goes out into the sun so that they can water it and it can get the sun. And then on game day, comes back into the stadium. Oh, my goodness. And I was sitting there. I was like, you mean I'm not standing on the real field? I'll stand on the real field. And I said, where's the real field? And she said, well, it's down around that corner and out there and back outside. And I said, okay, I will not be denied. And I'm just like, I'm walking out there. I got my walkie on and everything. This is like a security guard. And I'm like, hey, what's up? Got the badge, you know. And then he's kind of looking at me. I'm like, you know. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. <laughs> but I went, out, I, went out, I went out and I walked right by security. And he's like, how you doing? I'm like, how you doing, man? That's right. I got all access, okay, because I'm all in, and I walked out, went out onto the field with somebody from our production team, and they snapped this picture, so I have evidence that I was actually standing on the Raider field. Three of you are impressed with that because you are not all in like I am. So I want to I pose a question to you today. When it comes to Jesus, are you all in? Are you all in? I, I want you to write this down. When I go all in, I get all access. When I go all in, I get all access. Here's what you need to know today. Jesus is all in on you. And he wants to grant you all access. Like unlimited access to his grace, to his mercy, to his forgiveness, to his kindness, to his hope, healing, peace, and purpose. God says, I'm all in on you. I want you to be all in on me. So, so before you say yes to being all in, I think what we got to talk about is what does it 
What does it really mean to be all in? Like, how do I, how do I know I'm all in? Paul hits, it, hits us with it right here in verse 6. He says this, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. I think when we read that and we see that, we're like, check, good. I've said the prayer. I am good to go. But here's the thing you need to understand. It's not like a Costco membership. Okay, it's not like you sign up and you get access to a warehouse of blessings. It's all mine. That's not how it works. Paul, Paul says, let's back it up here. Paul says to be all in is to accept Jesus as Christ and as Lord. Now, here's the thing. Some of you here today, you have accepted Jesus. You've, you've accepted the man. You've accepted the philosopher. You've accepted the, 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 the rabbi. You, you've accepted the historical figure. You don't deny that. That is very obvious that he was a, one of the most influential people to walk the face of the earth. You, you even accept his teachings. You, you'd say, yes, I, I'm, I'm in on his teachings. I mean, my goodness, the guy cared for the poor. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Who does not want to be all in on that? I mean, you, you, you subscribe, you say, yeah, the golden rule. Every, I mean, yes, do to others what you'd have to do to you. Good idea. Good Samaritan, yes, you should be a good Samaritan. You, you're, you're in on Jesus, and you've accepted that. And that's. And let me say this. We're glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here because what I want you to know is this is a safe place for you to explore the teachings of Jesus. This is not a place where if you were to be found out, if people only knew that I, that's how I believe, then they would not welcome me here. Oh, no, if we knew that about you, you would be very welcome here. You are welcome here. We want this to be a safe place where you can explore the teachings of, of this philosopher, of this teacher, of this rabbi, of this, all these things that are, are said about him. In fact, I would encourage you to get into a core group. Wait, what? Isn't that just for those that are all in? Isn't that just for the, the, the Jesus people? Like, I don't, I ain't, going to, I ain't going to sit in a room with people and then find out I, 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 don't, I don't believe. I want to tell you that core groups are a safe place for you to explore your faith. This is what I love about it. We have people going to core groups right now that do not follow Jesus. They follow Jesus, but they don't follow Jesus Christ as Lord. And they're like, hey, this is what I believe. And they are finding a safe place to ask lots of questions. This is a safe place for you. Now, the truth is, for most of us here, we, we have, we've accepted Jesus as Christ. And by the way, Christ isn't Jesus' last name, in case you're wondering. Like, it's not his last name. It's also not something you say when you stub your toe. Like, I got to blame it on somebody. No, actually the word Christ, you know what the word Christ means? This is crazy. A lot, a lot, a lot of believers don't even, they, we say the name Jesus Christ, we don't even know what, what does that even mean? Christ means anointed one. It just means that he's the anointed one. It means, means Messiah, if you're new to church, in the, in the Old Testament, there were these prophets, and these prophets started talking about a promised coming Messiah, someone who was going to save Israel, that was going to redeem Israel. And then we see in the person of Jesus that, that maybe, possibly, is he the one? 
Jesus, in Matthew 16, 13, he says this. He asks his disciples this. Hey, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they said, uh, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. In other words, some say you're just a man. And by the way, let me back it up here. When he says Son of Man, that was a title that he gave to himself based on Daniel, who talked about the Son of Man, the coming Messiah. So Jesus called himself the Son of Man. He was basically saying in that moment, I'm the Messiah. I'm the anointed one. But they answer and they say, you know, some people do say that you're just a rabbi. You're a, you're a teacher. You're, your teachings are wonderful and they're great to follow. But then he asked them, but who do you say I am? This is the most important question you will ever be asked. And it's the most important question you will ever answer in your life. Who do you say I am? And Peter said this, say it with me. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, if you follow Jesus as Christ, I want you to say that again with power and meaning. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. For Peter to say this is a very bold statement. He's a Jewish man. He's declaring that everything I've been taught, everything that I've heard, I'm saying this is happening in you. God, he's saying to Jesus, you're the anointed one. You are God in the flesh. We see Paul tells us this in verse 9. Paul says it this way, in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. In other words, if you've accepted Christ, You've accepted that, yes, I believe that God, the Father, sent his son Jesus to come to live among us. And he wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a philosopher. He wasn't just a prophet. No, he was God in the flesh. He did miracles. He did healings. And not only that, he went to the cross. And, oh, yeah, he died, but it wasn't just about him dying. It was something special. He conquered sin and death. Like, that's what I believe. And not only that, but he was risen again on the third day. I believe that human body came back to life and then walked and talked with a bunch of apostles and disciples and appeared to over 500 people. I believe that scripture teaches that and I believe it to be true because I've experienced it in my own life. Not only that, but he then, I don't know how this happened, I don't know how it works, but somehow in front of their eyes he ascended to heaven where he sits next to the right hand of the Father and he is coming again with his angels to make everything right. <laughs> Write this down. Accepting Jesus is to ask what he can do for me. Ask, accepting Jesus is to ask what he can do for me. In, in, in other words, it's, it's viewing Jesus as, as a teacher, as a philosopher, a historical figure, good advice, I can, very practical things that I can use in my life. Accepting Jesus is to ask what he can do for me. But I want you to write this down. Accepting Jesus Christ is to accept what he's done for me. Accepting Jesus Christ is to accept what he's done for me. In other words, that all those things I just described was just not an event. 
No, no, no. That was done for me. That I recognize that I am a sinner fallen from grace. I have no hope in my life. I am broken. I can't be fixed. I can't be healed on my own. But thanks be to God, he showed mercy and grace. He sent Jesus. And I can conquer sin and death. I can be resurrected again. And I believe this is what God wants to do. I think that's a moment right there where everybody should just be like, Woo! Have you experienced a resurrection? Have you experienced the power of the resurrection in your life? Because when you have, oh my goodness, the, I mean, the lid comes off. There ain't enough ambulances going to pull up to this place to take all y'all out because you're going to be so excited. He has resurrected you to new life. The old is gone and dead, left in that tomb, left on that cross, and now you have been resurrected to new life. So Paul says those who are, who are all in, they, they've not only accepted Jesus, they've not only accepted Jesus as Christ, But they've accepted Jesus as Christ and, and Lord. That they, to declare that Jesus is the Christ and Lord, that's an all-in decision. And that is one where I welcome those of you who are followers of Jesus to tread Lightly on this one. Don't tread lightly on this one. I mean, like, contemplate this in this moment because this is a big all-in decision. You don't just flippantly say, oh, yeah, he's Lord. I'm good. No, no, no. You, you should contemplate him being Lord because this word that he uses for Lord, it's this idea that he's, he's master, that he's, he's controller, that, that he's supreme in authority over everything in my life. Paul in verse 10 said it this way, Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. That's what it means for him to be Lord. So if you're writing, taking notes today, write this down. First of all, accepting Jesus is to ask what he can do for me. But accepting Jesus Christ is to accept what he's done for me. But accepting Jesus Christ as Lord is to ask what I can do for him. Accepting Jesus Christ as Lord is to ask what I can do for him. That's a scary question. Because <laughs> you're thinking it and I'm thinking he's going to ask me to do something I don't want to do. I just know it. It's going to make me go to Africa. It's going to make me be kind. It's going to make me sell my possessions. I've read it. I know that's what's going to happen. Turn to somebody and say, hey, chill. Turn to somebody and say, chill. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> now turn back and say, he is going to ask you for everything. He is going to ask you for, for everything. <laughs> but that's good news. That is, that is really good news. I remember when our kids were younger and, and Laura would, would call up the stairs to them. She'd be like, Jeff. <laughs> Nothing. Sky, nothing. 
Shane, nothing. We have four kids, by the way. So Stephen, Brad, we're all ignoring her. Nobody's listening to her. I'm like, why? Because you know, you know what I'm talking about? Come on, you remember, you, you hear that tone, you know, oh, great. They knew she wants something from me. And they, they knew I'm going to have to do the dishes or I'm going to have to vacuum. I'm going to have to do something I don't want to do. We are no different when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. He's going to ask me to do something I don't want to do. And he's going he's to call my name. And what's sad is so many times when God calls our name, we act like we didn't hear him. Or even worse, we heard him, but we ignore him. You know what I'm talking about? Those little promptings you get. The, the, the Spirit of God prompts you. He prompts you to serve, like to get involved and to be on a team, to get on and, and serve in the church or, or maybe to serve your, your neighbor. There's something that your neighbor needs or something that a coworker, or there's an opportunity in a parking lot or on your campus. There's that moment to serve and you feel that prompting and you're like, oh, yeah, but I just, I, 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 got, I, got, I got a thing. I, I, I would, but I just, I don't, I don't really have the... I don't have the time, and oh man, I'm just so crazy, so crazy busy right now. And we make all these excuses as why I can't make him, why I can't make him Lord. Or worse, we ignore him. Like you may say, man, Brad, I, I've never gotten a prompting like that. I've never driven into my driveway and gotten a prompting to serve my neighbor. I, I would challenge you. You've never experienced a prompting. Make him Lord. Because when you make him Lord, he will start giving you those promptings. Like so, so often he's saying, hey, like when the offering, during the offering time, everybody just starts puckering up. Oh, there it is. That's that moment. Thank God they don't pass the buckets anymore. That was, whew, that was a tough one. That was just like a guilt trip driving right by. It's like, there it goes. Guilt train. Whoop, whoop. And I'm not on board. Okay. But you get these promptings. God prompts you. Man, I want to be generous. Ah, I want to be generous. I, I, want, I want to give. I, I, I see what God's done in my life. I see what he's doing in other people's life. I want, I want to be in. Oh, but, 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 you know, maybe, you know what I'm going to do? Once we get through COVID, then I'm going to, then I'm, then I'm, then I'm going to start. Or, or, or you're not even in the church. It's, it's your neighbor or it's your your coworker or somebody on your campus or, or again, in the parking lot. And it's a moment for you to express generosity to, to someone, to give to someone. But in that moment, you're like, oh, yeah, not, maybe not. Maybe not right now. And, and honestly, sometimes I think what happens is God, God tests us in the small stuff, not the big stuff. He's, he comes and he tests you in small things. I got a buddy of mine, and he, he told me a couple of weeks ago that uh, he's got this neighbor that's uh, he's an old guy. And he's like, uh, he's like the guy from Up, you know, just grouchy and just like that, okay? And he's, uh, he's been trying to be kind to his neighbor for almost two years now, I think. And he just, he'll go out to the mailbox and he'll see his neighbor, we'll just call him Frank. It's not his name, but, you know, he'll be like, he'd be like, hey, Frank! And not exaggerating, his neighbor would go, Not, not, not even, not say hi, not anything. For, for like over a year and a half now, he'd come out and go, hey, Frank. 
just crotchety. So the other day, he, he said he walked out, and, and he saw Frank, and he was, he's like, uh, my buddy said, not today. And he turned and walked away like, I'm not doing that. And that's the truth. In that moment, God says, listen, are you going to keep sacrificing? Are, are you going to keep doing the difficult thing? Are you going to keep doing what, I, what I'm asking you to do? It, it, it's, not, it's not easy. Sacrifice is not easy. This is why Paul says you must continue to follow him. It's not a check the box, prayed the prayer, got the ticket, but, it, but he says, no, it's this continual following him, a daily sacrificing your will for his. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you make Jesus both Christ and Lord? Paul tells us, look at verse 7, he says this, let your roots grow down into him, let your lives be built on him. And then say this with me, your faith will grow strong. Your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. Man, if, if, if you want to have strong faith, get your roots down in him. Let your roots grow down in him. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, get some deep roots. Get some, get some deep roots. You got to have deep roots. I, I love to garden and not, not uh, fruits and vegetables, but I, I love to garden flowers and plants. And I kind of picked this up about eight or nine years ago. Didn't know I loved it, but I absolutely love it. And I've been learning because I don't know anything about it, but I've been learning over time. And one of the simple things I learned in gardening that I never knew before was that uh, things grow differently in a pot than that that is planted in the ground. And so what I started noticing was anything that I had in a pot, it, it required a lot of attention. I mean, it was like, it's okay, you're going to make it. It's going to be all right. Daily pep talks, you know, just petting it. You're okay. It's going to be all right. You're okay. Why was that? It's because it required constant attention because the root system wasn't very deep. And so the plant also couldn't get very large. But what I discovered, and some of you are experts at this, I didn't know this, okay? But I would, I, I remember the first time I took some flowers out of a pot and I put them in the ground. And then, I, <laughs> and then I basically walked away and I came back like a month later and boom, they were exploding. I mean, high, thick, vibrant. Why is that? Because the, the roots had gone down and developed a deep root system where they could gather nutrients from the soil. This is a question I have for you today. Are you potted or are you planted in Christ? Are you potted or are you planted in Christ? Ask somebody next to you, are you potted or are you planted? Are you potted or are you planted? No, no, not are you on pot. Are you? <laughs> There's parents that took advantage of that moment right there to their teenager. Are you on pot? Are you? Are you on pot? He said potted or planted. I just need to know right now, in the house of God, are you on? Are you vaping? I know all the kids are vaping. You're vaping. I digress. <laughs> when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're potted, you can't develop a deep root system in Christ. In other words, when you're just kind of sort of in, but you're not all in. When you're all in, you let your roots grow down in him, and your faith can grow strong. This is why right now we're saying get in a group. You want your root system to go deep? Right now we're doing something called core growth. 
four weeks where you're going to learn about the eight core practices. What I love about this, we do this every year. And what I love is the most mature believers in our midst, people that have been following Jesus for decades, they look forward to this every year. Like some people are like, we're going through the same thing again. Didn't we just do that last year? Check the box. We're good. But I, I, what I watch is people who are really, really letting the root system go down. They get it. They're like, oh, no, I need to grow. I, there's new things I need to learn. There's, there's steps that God wants me to take. But here's what I want you to know. You're not going to go through those four weeks and then, boom, your life is going to be vibrant and you're going to check the box and you're going to move on. No, I'm telling you, it's not four weeks. It might take you four years. Because I can tell you, when I was gardening, I couldn't get it done in four weeks. I remember the first year I had a garden, it just looked terrible. Second year, it looked okay. Third year, it was all right. By the fourth year, boom. I don't know what happened, but I was like, man, look at what's happening all around me. Look at what's taking place. This is crazy. This is what will happen when you let your roots go down in him day in and day out, day in and day out, sacrificing, sacrificing in the word, in the house on your knees, loving your neighbors, loving your friends, sharing your faith, all of these things. As you do that each and every day, your root system is going to grow strong. And then when the storms of life hit you, nothing's going to be able to knock you down. You will be able to stand. In fact, that's what he says here. He says, let your life be built on him. Paul says, let your life be built on him. What is your life built on? Who is Lord of your life? If your life revolves around a relationship, I mean, that's every decision you make. Everything you do is a, it would be based on that relationship. Is it based on your career? Like your family and everything around you, church, everything, it's, it's about my career. And so family, you're going to have to, and, and this, and relationships, and friends, and hobbies, all what? Come, it's about your career. Because it's Lord of your life. And I'm, 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 is it about your 401k or your bank account? Is it about how much money you can put in, in, into the bank? Because I'm telling you, every decision you will ever make will revolve around that. No, we're not going to do this. Yes, we're going to do that. Not going to have this. I'm going to do this, all this, so that I can build up my portfolio. Or is Jesus the Lord of your life? Because when, when he says, let your life be built on him, what happens is, what Paul's trying to say is, you can become dependent on all of these other things for your self-worth, for your value, for acceptance, for approval. Yeah, this worked, yes. But man, none of those things can deliver like Jesus can deliver. When you go all in on him and make Jesus Lord, your faith is going to grow strong in the truth, is what he says, in the truth. And here's the truth. In Jesus, you have full access. In Jesus, you have full access. You are fully approved. You're already accepted. You have all the unconditional love you could ever want. His grace and his mercy is available to anybody at any time. Listen, Jesus is all in on you. What he wants to know today is, are you all in on me?